Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So continuing our reach series, bringing it into land today. Uh, if you missed last week's talk, we talked about um, the relaunching of the, uh, of the Herne Bay Hub. So if you missed that, you probably catch up with that and just uh, have a chance to uh, hear what we plan to do with the Herne Bay Hub and how that's extending our reach as a church. And we plan to go live in December with our first uh, event down in Briary School in Herne Bay. So a quick recap then. What have we looked at over the past three weeks? Well, we've reminded ourselves that we're supposed to be good news. We carry good news and we're called to act like good news to those around us. We said it's much easier to convey good news if you are good news in the way you act and relate to people around you. And we said we partner with the gospel, we let the good news in, it transforms us primarily first of all and then allows us to touch the lives of the people around us. And if we don't let it transform us first, it's very hard to be good news, particularly to those people who aren't particularly nice to us. It's very hard to be uh, sort of countercultural when you haven't had the transforming work of God in your life, first of all. And last week we looked at how we're in a new time in history, where we're in a postmodern age, coming out of modernity and all the certainty around invention and technology. We're now in a much more fluid age of postmodernity. And uh, in this age, the power of your story is really important because the way you carry the gospel, uh, the way you can share and incarnate the gospel to somebody else is so much more powerful. It makes so much more sense than just coming with a list of kind of convincing arguments as to why Jesus was real. We had a really interesting time on Friday. We went for a walk uh, over Reculver, went to the coffee shop there. And on the way, we bumped into a couple who were, who were cycling. And uh, they kind of gone the wrong way and ended up in a bit of a dead end. And we said, well, if you go this way and go that way, you can make your way down here. And eventually, you'll come to a coffee shop. And it's really nice. And, and that was all good. And they jokingly said, well, if we get there first, we'll buy the coffee. And we thought, yeah, okay, fine. And off they went. They got there first. And they said, can we buy you a coffee? And we were like, oh, okay, you meant it then. So they bought us a coffee. We sat down. And we had an incredibly deep and meaningful conversation with these people. They'd suffered some trauma in their life. They'd suffered some issues around forgiveness. And we were able to just really naturally share the power of, of forgiveness and the power of faith enabling us to do that. And it was one of the most natural conversations on a park bench in Recall that I've ever had around Jesus. And, um, and we carry this good news. We carry the power of the gospel, maybe not necessarily in the way we've been taught to carry, but we carry it. And we can speak wisdom and life uh, and, uh, and Jesus into people's lives in sometimes the simplest ways. And we went so deep with this couple that by the end of 45 minutes, we virtually knew everything about them and everything. Kind of, there was a depth that was created by the Spirit of God that was, really was uh, extraordinary. And it was quite funny because we, we... Can I say this bit? Yeah. My wife was like, it's our day off. We're not supposed to be doing pastoral stuff. That was before. She was like, oh, do we really want to have coffee with somebody? You know, when we're trying to just kind of get some time away. But God, I can imagine God smiling and saying, yes, and this is going to be a great chance <laughs> to share Jesus. So no matter how we try and kind of box God in or kind of limit his ability to work in people's lives, he's always there by his spirit looking to reach out, to touch and to heal and to transform. So, so your story, and we're able to share some of our stories about having to forgive and release forgiveness in difficult times, can really be powerful in actually bringing the gospel to somebody else. 
And we encourage you to read, to get back into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and things like the, uh, the Chosen are a great way to, to recatalyze our interest in the Gospels. Last week I came into land a little bit quickly, so I want to recap on a point uh, I was trying to expand last week. This idea we get paralysed around knowing the right formula or the right way to share the Gospel. We, we get, we're fearful we might miss something out or we might say the wrong thing. We might, we might somehow not convey the gospel uh, in the best way. And I think what I want to say again is that what we need to think about is the gospel is primarily transformational. It's not primarily transactional. What do I mean by that? Well, let's think about it this way. When do those disciples we just saw on the screen become Christians? Mmm, tricky, tricky. Was it the moment they started following Jesus? Was it at some point when they had a revelation, they saw him minister and thought, aha, I know who you are. They had a a moment of revelation. Was it before Jesus went to the cross? Or was it after Jesus rose again and met them as the resurrected Jesus? Was it when they were baptised by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost? You're all keeping your powder dry. No one's putting their hand up, yes? <laughs> when did they become Christians? Toward the end of John's Gospel, we read a really curious conversation between the disciple Philip and Jesus. Uh, the disciples are sharing their last supper. Uh, Jesus is about to be arrested and taken away and, and next day crucified. And Jesus is doing his best to explain to them what's going to happen. He's trying to convey to them, yeah, I'm going to be taken to a place where you can't go, but you're going to be okay. God will be with you by his spirit. And he's trying to convey comfort to them at this really difficult time. And then Philip says this. He says, Lord, just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Now, the gospel doesn't capture probably the the incredulity on Jesus' face at that point, because Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you all this time, such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Philip is clearly missing a trick here, isn't he? He's missing something. Now, bear in mind, Philip has lived and ministered and walked alongside Jesus for three whole years at this point. Does it mean he's not a Christian? Because he doesn't fully recognise who Jesus is. If we treat the gospel as transactional, then we'd have to say clearly he's missing the mark. He's not a Christian. He doesn't recognize that Jesus is God incarnate. So therefore, he hasn't fully made that gospel transaction. But if you treat the gospel as transformational, then you would say that Philip is on a journey of revelation just like you and I. He's in the process of being transformed and the process of God revealing himself to him. When I was young, my dad used to infuriate me with a word game. He used to say to me, where was the boy when he jumped off the wall? And I'd say, well, he was on the ground. And he'd say to me, well, that was after he jumped. I'd say, okay, then he was on the wall. And he'd say to me, that was before he jumped. And I'd go, right, uh... He was in the air. That was after he jumped. I'd say, his feet were just leaving the wall. That was before he jumped. And I could never, ever get him to say, I got the right answer. 
No matter how much I tried to slice time down to these finer and finer and finer pieces to find out where the boy was when he jumped off the wall, where was he? He was in the process, wasn't he, of jumping off the wall. That's all we can say about that particular word puzzle. And it's a bit like that with the gospel. If we try and slice it down and down and down and down into transactional elements, we miss the whole point of the transformational nature of what Jesus calls us into. If I was to say to you, when did you become a Christian? You might say to me, well, I remember a point in time, or I remember a prayer, or I remember a revelation, or I remember something. Or you might say, actually, I was raised one. I can't think of a particular time when I became a Christian. Or you might say to me, I'm not actually a Christian, I'm still on a journey of faith. There might be a whole range of answers you might give to me. And I want to say to you that all those answers are okay. They're absolutely okay. Let's go to Peter. Bless him, Peter, the disciple who always over-egged himself. He said to Jesus, I will never leave you. No matter what happens, I'm going nowhere. The night he was... Arrested, where did Peter go? He fled into the night at the first sign of trouble. He disappeared. And then later on, he was so worried about being associated with Jesus, he publicly denied him three times. He denied Jesus three times publicly. Did Peter stop being a Christian at that point? Some people are going... <laughs> later, during a fish breakfast on the Sea of Galilee, on the shore... Jesus restored Peter. He had a lovely conversation with him. And he said to him, this beautiful thing, he said, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And he, he gently spoke to Peter and restored Peter. Did Peter stop being a Christian and then become a Christian again after that conversation? See, both Peter and Philip, just like you and I, were followers of Jesus in a process of transformation and journey. But just like you and me, they were far, far from perfect. They were flaky. They were inconsistent, just like you and me. If these men who walked with Jesus for three years and lived with him and ate with him and saw everything he did up close still needed revelation, still needed transformation, how much more do we on our ongoing journey with Jesus? And that's for me why I think we have to think about the gospel as transformational, not transactional. I love to talk about myself as a follower of Jesus rather than saying, I am a Christian. Because a follower of Jesus is doing something dynamic with their life. They are trying to follow the person of Jesus. They are trying to continue to see and follow and be changed and transformed and be revealed. We can all point to milestones in our lives, probably. You might remember the day you prayed a prayer or the day something happened to you where it was quite significant. But I wouldn't say at that point... You know, that, that's, that's where it all got shut down and finished. We don't fully understand the mechanics of what happens in heaven when we receive Jesus into our lives. But we do know Jesus invites us onto a journey. And if we reduce the gospel down to a single moment in time, where was the boy when he jumped off the wall? Where were you when you became a Christian? Then we reduce down, redact down the gospel into something that's actually very small. And what I've been trying to paint over the past three or four weeks is a much more expansive view of what the gospel is and what the story is you and I are invited into. Because when you're reaching people, you're not trying to take them into a transactional conversation. You're trying to invite them into a story of transformation. 
And that's where things like the chosen, I think, are so powerful because they convey that humanity of what happens when Jesus enters our lives. The gospel is primarily transformational and relational. It's about you and I being drawn into relationship with God and drawn into relationship with each other. And we've got this wonderful opportunity in the postmodern age to rediscover those important things, to share our story, not making people feel guilty, but actually showing them the life of God and how Jesus enables us to do things differently and live differently. And we said, didn't we, you don't have to have all the answers. This couple that we met, we couldn't say why what happened to them had happened to them. We couldn't give them a pat answer as to why they'd suffered this thing. But we could say, here's a way through. Here's a way through. And we, and we believe there's a God who can help you in this process. Because what we don't want to do is minimize the complexity of life. Because life is hard, and life is tough, and life is unfair. And we want to bring the good news into that context. Steve, in his book that I mentioned, uh, telling the old, old story I mentioned uh, last week, he said this, he said, Jesus showed us that loving God is fulfilled through loving people. If you want to love God more, that's fulfilled through you loving people, through you turning God's love outward to those around us. So coming to land now, I want to talk quickly today about who we're reaching. Who are we reaching? Uh, quick graph for you. On the bottom axis, near and far, distance. And on the vertical axis, near and far, people. So people who are like us, people who are not so like us, and people who are close to us geographically, and people who are not so close to us. So we've got people down here, near to me and like me. Just think of you when I say me. People near to me, but not so like me. And that can be for a whole variety of reasons. It can be social, can be circumstantial, can be all sorts of reasons why they're not so like you. People who are like me, but further away from me geographically. And then people who are far from me geographically and not like me as well. All these different people, groups, that we can bring the gospel to. And obviously people <coughs> who are sitting in between those circles as well. Which of these people groups do you think is possibly easiest to reach with the good news of the gospel? Yeah, near to me and like me. The people who are near to me geographically and the people who are like me. I've got something in common with them. Some of the positives about that people group when you think about bringing the good news to them, you tend to have existing relationships and friendships, maybe neighbours or friends or work colleagues. You may have some common ground, some shared experience some shared interests, easier to relate to those people. We can find it easier to talk to people who are close to us. We can have honest relationships. And we tend to have regular contact with our people who are near us and like to us, like us, sorry. But what are some of the challenges about sharing the good news with people in that group? Well, I think the first one is we're over-familiar with them. We, you know, they're, they're so familiar to us, the last thing we think about is actually sharing them Tell them about Jesus because they're in our lives so consistently and so regularly. And if we haven't brought Jesus into that conversation recently and they've seen how flaky you are and how inconsistent you are and how judgmental you are, then why would you want to tell you're a Christian? Because at this point they're going to say, well, you don't act like one. So we've got a problem, haven't we? We've got a problem with over-familiarity. And also, how do we share Jesus with people who are close to home and don't be weird about it? 
they suddenly don't think, oh, my neighbors are weirdos. You know, how do we, how do we bring Jesus into those near conversations? And all those things can tie us in knots when we're trying to think about sharing the good news of Jesus with those people who are near to us and like us. But I want to encourage you again this morning to think about those people in your life. Because the reality is, they're most likely to discover Jesus through you. Because you're the one who has proximity to them, and you're the one who carries the good news. I'll quickly think about some uh, things that happen when people first hear the good news. Is it intelligible? Can I understand it? Is it clear? Is it plausible? Can I believe it? Does it seem reasonable? Is it credible? Can it be trusted? Have I seen it work out in anyone's life? And is it relatable? How does it apply to me? How is it relevant and important? So when anyone's hearing the gospel, these questions are going on in their heads. And for those who are near to us and those who are like us, we're perfectly positioned to speak into some of these questions. We're perfectly positioned to help people understand how the gospel works out in a life, how it, how it works out. We can talk to them about their questions and reflections. We don't have to come with all the answers. We can show them how Jesus has been good news for us, how he's worked in our lives, how, how we've kind of road-tested Jesus and seen him to be good. And we can tell them how Jesus relates to us and how he can relate to them and how Jesus is in the process of reconciling people back to the Father. The people who are near to you and like you are most likely to hear the gospel through you. And that's challenging. It's challenging. But I want to encourage you again to think about those people who are in your orbits and think about what does Jesus want to say to them this week? How can I, how can I share something of Jesus with them this week? How can I share maybe some of my story with them this week? We're just called to be witnesses. You're not called to convert anybody and you're not called to convince anybody. You're called to witness to the activity of Jesus in your life. And you can do that really well with the people close to you. You can show them what a life with Jesus looks like. What the difference Jesus makes when he comes into your life. Why he's good news for you. Okay, let's quickly jump onto these other people groups. Near to me and not like me. We're having increasing ethnic and social diversity happen. Globalisation is happening across the whole face of the earth. And so more and more people are coming close to you who are not like you in many, many different ways. And I think this is God. I think God is in the process of bringing people who are not like us close to us. But it does bring challenges. We saw it on the video, didn't we? Oh, perhaps something good can come out of Nazareth. And that was a reference, that's a reference to Nathaniel when, when um, Philip went up to him and said, I found Jesus in Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And uh, this is all to do with our perspective and our prejudices that we carry around different people. And they affect our expectation of what God can do and how he moves and who he's going to move with. Nathaniel, Nathaniel was, had a dim view of Nazareth and the people there. We don't know why. He just did. And so for him... Philip to say, well, God's moving there, and in fact the Messiah is coming from there, he was like, well, I can't, I can't see that. I can't understand why that could happen, because he had zero expectation of anything good coming from that place. 
What's your Nazareth? <coughs> What's your Nazareth? Is it a people group? Is it a place? Is it a certain geography? Where do you have zero expectation of God moving? Because God wants to speak into your perspective and your prejudice and change it. He wants to speak into it. Because God sees all people and the people that maybe you see and think, well, there's no way God's going to move in that particular group. Actually, God says, I can do a powerful thing there. As we read the Gospels, time and time again, we see Jesus breaking down the social and ethnic barriers, going to the people that would, were on the edge of, them, of society, marginalised, disenfranchised. Jesus moving again and again to break through every partisan barrier that had been erected. And the way the world is changing, more and more people not like us are coming close to us. This is how the Bible describes Christian community. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all, Colossians 3.11. Nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, Colossians 3.28. Jesus showed us what it looks like when the gospel reaches all people, all groups, all ethnos, all tribes, all nations. Every person, the outsider, the excluded, the judged, the disenfranchised, the forgotten, the poor, Everybody is touched and reached by the gospel. And if you read those gospels, you'll see time and time again Jesus going to the margins to meet people and bring the good news. So think about where's your Nazareth? Who are the people you have zero expectation for? And let God speak into that prejudice, that perspective. Because that will change your expectation of what God can do with those particular people. Okay, moving on. People far from me are not like me. We were far from you, but we were like you. So God brought us down from Birmingham, 200 miles away. And uh, we, were, we had a sense already when God was bringing us down that we were to be more than just a local church. We were to have an impact across the coastlands. We've got this uh, idea with the Herne Bay Hub, haven't we, of reaching far and wide with the good news of the gospel. We know that God has called us to take the good news further than just the town of Whitstable. And that's why things like the Herne Bay Hub are so important as an initiative. We want to spread the warmth of God's love into different communities and locations. But there's a cost, guys, to reaching out. There's a cost because it upsets our cosy community. It upsets our cosy community when we stretch the boundaries and start reaching out to more and more people, different people. The German pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, if you love community, you will destroy it. If you love people, you will build it. And if we just love community and warmth and family and, and keeping it all cosy, eventually that community will fail. But if we love people, then community gets built naturally amongst us. And so we're called to reach out far and wide to different people groups to bring them the good news of Jesus. And as we do that, the community of Riverside will be built. Let's talk about this last group. People far from me and not like me. Probably the hardest group for people like us to reach. This church has got a great history of sending missionaries to different parts of the world, different locations to, to take the good news of the gospel. 
But sometimes when the gospel has been taken to different parts of the world, we've been guilty of not just taking the gospel, but trying to superimpose culture as well. This guy here is Hudson Taylor. He left England at age 21 in 1853 to take the gospel to China. And uh, he spent 51 years there, and he started the China Inland Mission. And his work is reckoned to have led around 18,000 people to Christ. But Hudson did something strange when he got there. He started to dress like the locals. He started to dress culturally, sensitively, and to fit in with Chinese culture. So he wore Chinese clothes, and he grew his hair in a pigtail. And he wore these clothes for, essentially for the rest of his life. And most of his fellow missionaries were sceptical and critical about his desire to do this. They thought this was unnecessary. They thought they should just take English culture to China as well as the gospel. But I think Hudson did a great job of contextualising the good news into that culture. I think he embodied these words that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I have become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. So contextualising ourselves into the worlds of people who are not like us is so important. How often do you try and enter somebody else's world? It requires a different set of skills, doesn't it? It requires a lot of listening. It requires a lot of dethroning yourself. It requires a whole different set of skills to enter somebody else's world rather than try and bring them into your world. Or try and tell them you're, you know, try and dominate the conversation with what's going on for you at the time. To enter someone else's world is to be empathetic and sympathetic and to listen and to try and meet them where they are. And that was the goal that Paul said he tried to do when sharing the gospel, and Hudson did the same thing. It's always our goal, I think, when sharing the good news, to try and enter somebody else's world with love and with grace, try and experience life from their point of view and then help them see how Jesus could be good news for them in their situation. We currently support a number of different organisations like Mission Aviation Fellowship and Open Doors and Grassroots Trust in Romania to try and take the gospel to different parts of the world. I'm sure God's going to give us more and more opportunities to do that in the future. So guys, we're coming to land on this series in reach. You and I are called to be good news. We extend God's reach by being who we are. We allow him to touch the lives of the people around us. You've got a story to tell. You've got a story to tell of how Jesus is good news in your life and why he can be good news for somebody else. And this story is an ever-expanding story, reaching more and more people, touching more and more lives. And you've got the chance, and I've got the chance, to present Jesus in a natural, fresh, and accessible way. There's people now who've never even heard of Jesus, We live in a post-Christian society. A fresh opportunity to tell people the good news in a fresh way. What Julie didn't tell you was they showed some of the Chosen series to some Gen Zs, basically some some youngsters, Generation Z, sceptical, you know, a whole different way of seeing the world. And they they loved the way Jesus was presented in this this series. Because it made Jesus real and accessible and relevant. You might be on a spiritual journey today. You might be wrestling with the questions I mentioned earlier on. You know, is, is the gospel plausible? Is it credible? Is it clear? Can it be trusted? Talk to somebody. 
talk to somebody around you, chat, say, how does it work in your life? Tell me your story. How does it work out for you? Why is the gospel good news for you? I had all these questions many, many years ago. I was a post-Christendom person, no exposure to faith, no belief in God, a total atheist. And yet Jesus reached out to me through people, and I found Christ. But no one converted me, no one rushed me, no one tried to convince me. I just personally discovered the simplicity of Jesus and began a journey with him, which I still am on today. And I can look back and see the points in my life when there was really significant transformation. But was I, did I become a Christian on March the 9th, 1989? And I sat on the side of my bed and said, God, I think you're real. I don't know. All I know is that now I'm here. <laughs> and back then I was there. And I've journeyed with the Lord over all these years. And he calls into this journey of transformation. Let's stand together. I want to invite us to kind of, if we're able, to kind of recommission ourselves today into reaching those around us. Trying to throw off the, maybe the shackles of the way we've been told to evangelise, the way we've been told to present Jesus. I want to encourage us all into a fresh, natural way to touch the lives of the people around us. You might want to close your eyes and just, um, just let the Holy Spirit touch you. So many ways that you can reach out to people around you. You can reach out with your actions and your attitudes. You can reach out with kind words and offers of prayer. You can reach out with love and compassion, with generosity, offering to serve. You can reach out with grace, with mercy. So many ways the Lord can use you to reach and touch the lives of the people around you. So Lord, I pray for us all here today and for those that aren't present, God, to have a fresh commission word, Lord. I'm going to use that word, Lord, commissioning, just a fresh, a fresh um, sense of being sent to those around them. Carrying the good news of the gospel in the most natural way. Help us to be thoughtful and creative, Lord. Help us to be aware of the Spirit's activity. Even when we're, a, even when we're not aware, God, or we, we don't want you to intrude, God, into our routines, I pray, God, that you would uh, help us to be aware of the opportunities that come. Just to share a bit of our own lives, a bit of our own story. Remind us, Lord, how you can use us every day in even the smallest way, Lord. And I just pray you bring someone to mind now for, for each of us. Someone to mind, God, that maybe you want us to share something with. Or maybe just take hold of an opportunity that might come. Lord, would you lead us? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just let the Lord Jesus bring someone to mind. Lord, we just pray for that person. Come, Jesus.
We welcome you. And for some of you, there's been, always been like a demarcation between church and maybe your, your work life or your social life. There's been like always a bit of a, a wall between the two. And I felt the Lord wanted to speak to you and just say, actually, that's a very porous wall. You know, I can move backs and forwards in both those spaces. And um, yeah, Lord wants to just encourage you actually to look for his activity. Maybe that's your Nazareth. Maybe you have zero expectation of God working in a certain situation for you. It may be at your place of work or maybe a social setting or a family setting. Maybe that's your Nazareth. And maybe God wants to say, actually, I can work there. I can be present there. He wants to change your expectation of what can happen in that place. We bless you, Jesus. So Lord, I just pray for seeds to be sown, Lord, from this series into our hearts. Seeds to be sown, Lord, that will bear fruit over the weeks and months ahead in the lives of the people around us. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the good news. We thank you you've called us to reach those around us. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.